Welcome to GovInnovator. I'm Andy Feldman. Our topic today is improving youth outcomes by integrating health services into schools. Our guest is Olga Acosta-Price from the George Washington University School of Public Health. Here's a clip. What we're talking about are collaborative, integrated centers that are really a team of providers, often clinicians, who are co-located, who are literally bringing their services into the schools to try to improve access to care um, and really integrate within the school day and reach as many kids as possible around addressing their physical, dental, and mental health needs. How can communities better address young people's physical and emotional health needs? A growing trend is the use of school-based health centers. The goal is to provide convenient, accessible, and comprehensive health care services to students from pre-K through high school by having a health provider or sometimes an interdisciplinary health provider team that's co-located in the school setting. To learn more about the trends in school-based health centers and the evidence of their impact, we're joined by a leading expert on the topic, Olga Acosta-Price. She's an associate professor in the Department of Prevention and Community Health at the George Washington University and the director of its Center for Health and Healthcare in Schools. Olga, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Start us off with some basics, if you would. When we say school-based health centers, what does that mean? What we're talking about are collaborative, integrated centers that are really a team of providers, often clinicians, who are co-located, who are literally bringing their services into the schools to try to improve access to care um, and really integrate within the school day and reach as many kids as possible around addressing their physical, dental, and mental health needs. Am I right, Olga, that the status quo is that students, young people need to go to a provider, to a hospital to get these services? This is making it more accessible. This is bringing it closer to them. Absolutely. It is that if we really were to look at, particularly for those young people and families where there are great disparities in their health outcomes and their health status, we um, find that they really are not accessing preventative care. They are not able to access sort of good um, primary care. And, um, and often because there are a lot of barriers to getting to those services, or there are not a good number of them in those immediate communities. And so school-based health centers are really one really important solution, um, particularly in low-income or um, provider shortages areas around the country to bring services to children and families. I know there are a few main models of school-based health centers. Tell us what those are. Absolutely. So there are generally three staffing profiles. The most common and where school-based health centers really started is where there is a primary care provider. Often it was thought that school-based health centers were really about bringing pediatric primary care services into the schools. And so they typically were staffed with a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant offering a real array of medical services to students enrolled in that school. It's grown so that now there is a greater number of school-based health centers that include not just primary care provider, but also a behavioral health provider, typically a clinical social worker or a licensed counselor, 
who offer, again, a combination of primary and behavioral health care in a coordinated fashion. The most comprehensive profile now where we're seeing many more examples are where you have the basic primary care and behavioral health professional, but also joined by other specialists, other providers, such as oral health providers, optometrists, substance abuse counselors. And then more often now we're seeing health educators, case managers, nutritionists that are really supplementing the services offered to students. And we're really um, able to provide a very comprehensive model. And Olga, I know from reading your research that there's a related model here that involves having a coordinator in the school to connect students with an even broader range of services. And that's the communities in schools approach. Is that right? Right. So communities in schools is a model where you will have a coordinator who is really brokering and bringing to schools a broader set of social services that are made available to students and their families. I know that two of the best-known examples of school-based health centers are in Denver and Montgomery County, Maryland. Can you give us a quick overview of those real-life examples and tell us how they operate? So Denver Public Schools and Montgomery County, uh, Maryland, both have a long history of growing and um, have making available school-based health centers, so they have a, a strong number of them. In Denver Public Schools, they have a model where they have school-based health centers that really are open to all students, regardless of where they are in the district. But within the same district, they may serve students from multiple schools. So for example, they may have a school-based health center that's placed within a school, but it allows students from neighboring schools to be able to access those services. Montgomery County um, has, and their linkages to learning program, which is a very comprehensive a program in about seven public schools around Montgomery County really does um, focus on providing care to the entire family. They, in particular, also, um, because of the number of undocumented families and children in that county, really are able to not just serve the kids, the parents, but even the undocumented siblings. So they could really address the health and behavioral health needs of the entire family while also linking them to social services like workforce training or housing support or financial services. So it's a real wraparound approach. And tell us about the state of the research, Olga, on school-based health centers. What do we know? How strong is the evidence? So there's some really strong evidence um, about the effectiveness and the impact of these approaches on their ability to improve access to care, um, make available consistently quality provision of care, integrated and coordinated services in a way that really um, improves outcomes and reduces the need for um, more costly acute visits, for example, to ER. So there's been a number of studies to be able to show their value that way and their impact um, on not just health outcomes, but actually academic outcomes. I think where these studies, I think, although they have been growing in number and have um, we have a strong evidence base, they have not been um, often, you know, using randomized designs that really would allow us to draw stronger conclusions about the causal effects. Um, but certainly, we are seeing more and more studies that are using more and more rigorous designs to be able to have more confidence in in um, kind of demonstrating the impact and how they may be really associated with the provision of those services. To randomize in this case, you would have to randomize by school district. So it's possible you just need a very large study. You'd need a lot of school districts to participate. Yeah. 
And we don't have folks that are funding at that level. And certainly that's a role potentially for private philanthropy or if um, public funding from some, you know, NIH or CDC were really interested in really helping us make some more definitive statements. But having said that, we, you know, the, the Preventative um, Services Task Force really has stepped out and said on the value of the evidence that does exist, that they really support the um, the growth and the implementation of school-based health centers, particularly where there are low, low-income communities. So I think that the evidence does already um, give us um, some confidence. One statistic that you cite in your paper is that by 2014, there were over 2,300 school-based health centers in the U.S. that served more than 2 million children and adolescents. Those figures are way up from 20 years ago. But on the other hand, that's a small fraction of the 50 million students in the U.S. Am I right? Is it fair to say that you believe that this approach could be used in a lot more places, could be used a lot more broadly in school systems? Absolutely. I think this is a model that many more school systems should think about really pursuing. Um, but there are a number of challenges that I think have persisted that really limit their numbers. Having to do with really the limited financing structures and options that are available because these are not necessarily revenue generating practices. And so, and schools, school districts are not health providers. So they really rely on the, um, on the need to partner with a sponsor organization, an FQHC, a hospital system, or Department of Health, for example, where they have access to specialist providers, health care individuals. And, um, and so in order, in many cases, for the health partner to be invested, there needs, they need to at least be able to feel like they can cover costs, let alone uh, potentially have some, you know, a margin of profit. But that isn't, that isn't really the way the model is, is set up. And so there are some limited financing. There's issues and confusion around privacy and information sharing, given the overarching um, laws over um, the protection of student information and then health information, FERPA uh, overseeing one and HIPAA really authorized to sort of dictate how we operate in the other. And so there's a number of things that have made this sort of cross-sector and cross-site um, collaboration difficult to achieve in practice. Definitely challenges to this approach, but am I right that it's your feeling that these are challenges that could be overcome with enough focus and energy on it? That is fair. There are challenges that we face that I think um, we need some intentional work to um, to overcome. And I think certain partners and stakeholders need to come together in order to, I think, effectively address those challenges. And it is happening. But I think if we were talking about really opening up the possibility nationally for school-based health centers to grow and proliferate, I think we need to have that kind of systematic coming together and addressing those challenges. We'll end this portion of the interview here, but I'm going to ask Olga about the recent clarification of the free care rule by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services and how that opens up the door to broader use of these school-based health centers. I'll post her answer to the podcast website. I'll also post uh, later in June 2016 when it's published by the Brookings Institution her paper on this subject, so I encourage you to loop back and check that out. For now, Olga Price from the George Washington University, thanks for giving us a 101 on this important topic in youth policy. Thank you so much. Great to be with you.